Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just as surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder law and estate planning attorney Kevin Tharp and financial advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. The best beneficiary designation. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, on a regular basis, I hear this from many of my clients or prospective clients. We're sitting down with a client. We're uh, preparing uh, their estate plan. We've gone through the step of their wishes meeting. We've gotten their wishes down on paper. They've signed the document. They've created their trust. And now we talk about titling. We've walked them through uh, how to title their home in the name of their trust. We've even had to sign a deed and uh, record the deed to put it in their trust. We've given them paperwork to retitle their bank accounts, and they've accomplished that step. And now we get to, I like to call it, the box called beneficiary designation. And there's a group of assets uh, that we all own, very common assets that we all own, that allow us to keep ownership. We don't have to even put them in a trust. But as owner, we can name a beneficiary. Life insurance policies are very commonly uh, common assets where you can name a beneficiary, very familiar with that. Most people are. Um, retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, um, annuities. A lot of banking accounts and brokerage accounts are now letting us designate a beneficiary in the form called payable on death or POD or transfer on death, TOD. But one of the most common discussions we have with every single one of our clients, one of the most common responses to every discussion is when we start talking about beneficiary designations, especially on retirement accounts, here's one of the most common responses. And I'm putting your industry in front of the bus. I'm not putting them under the bus. I'm putting them in front of the bus. Oh, that could be painful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to watch the result of what <laughs> happens when I put them in front of the bus. But it's reality. Our financial person says we don't need a trust because for our IRA or 401k because we have beneficiaries named. We've named our spouse or we've named our children, so we don't need a trust for that. So we're not going to deal with that in our discussion about titling of assets, right? And I said, well, you don't have to. You can make your beneficiary whoever or whatever you want. But let's talk about what happens when your spouse or your children are beneficiary designation. So you follow the advice or recommendation of your financial person and you don't have a trust or you don't make your trust the beneficiary. Instead, you just make it your spouse and kids. Okay. And you pass away first and your spouse survives you. But years ago, when you made that beneficiary designation, your spouse was in good health. But there's been a lot of years between that day when you named your spouse's beneficiary and when you pass away, and maybe your spouse health has declined to the point where they're in a memory care unit in an assisted living, or they're in a nursing home, like what would have happened if my dad had passed away first. So what happens then? So you're the IRA company. I'm going to put you in front of the bus. You're the financial advisor. You've recommended that. Now, spouse has passed away. You know the surviving spouse. You know their situation. You know their condition. 
And you have to tell the family, we have to give the surviving spouse that money, regardless of the fact they're in the nursing home. We have a legal obligation to pay it to the beneficiary. Are, is your client protected now? Is the beneficiary protected? Well, we know the answer to that question. No. So as a advisor, if people are telling you how who your beneficiary should be, there are potential consequences for that advice. And quite frankly, somebody ought to be held accountable for that advice. That's why we recommend a trust as the beneficiary on things like that. Why? Because your trust takes into account the condition of your beneficiaries, of your surviving spouse. And it says, I'll pay it to the surviving spouse through the trust. The trustee will pay it to the surviving spouse or say, you know what? Shirley Tharp's in a nursing home, so I'm not going to pay it to her directly. I'm going to keep it in trust and I'm going to manage it for the benefit and protection of the surviving spouse. And their nursing home creditors can't reach it. And you get all of that by titling your IRA, beneficiary designation, in coordination with your trust. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor. And my co-host is Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney. And Kevin, I think that's that's an incredible tool that people have at their disposal when they plan the right way to make sure they're protecting those assets. And in my industry, you're exactly right. I think a lot of advisors get it wrong all the time. I think banks get it wrong, a lot of financial institutions. It's just the way things go, but they don't need to be going that way because there are a lot of us out there that should not be the person telling you who your beneficiary should be. And I know a lot of, in the financial industry especially, financial advisors will take a course, and that course is they take a course about what's a will, what's a trust. And they take a course on beneficiary designation. And then they can then promote and advertise and put out on their storefront window, we're estate planners. And they think estate planning is who your beneficiaries are. And that is a very important part of estate planning because it's titling, but there are consequences for the advice you give on who your beneficiary should be. There are consequences on titling. And yet beneficiary designation from an estate planning standpoint, from an asset protection standpoint, is one of the most overlooked but yet most important things you can do. It's becoming so important because so many financial institutions, banks are now even doing this, letting you name a beneficiary. For years, when we did trust for our clients, the only option they had was to put the asset in the trust now while they're living, especially on bank accounts, Mm -hmm. because you had no other choice. But over the years, the bank industry kind of caught up with the life insurance industry And the investment industry caught up with the life insurance industry and said, well, you know, you can name beneficiaries on these accounts. We'll call it payable on death or transfer on death, which is another name for beneficiary designation. And now many financial accounts let you name a beneficiary. Great. 
So who should your beneficiary be? Well, quite frankly, I think that should be a conversation that you should be having with your estate planning attorney and not your financial advisor. Yet in so many conversations, when people sit down and talk with their financial person, advisor on how to invest for income and retirement and things like that, the topic comes up and they set up these accounts and the topic comes up of who your beneficiary could should be. And it's like, oh, you don't need to have to let your attorney know that. We, we take care of that part. And they actually give them advice on who their beneficiary should be, or in many cases, who it should not be. You don't need a trust. Just make it your spouse and kids. And that's why we think, especially if you're married, beneficiary designation is so important, and a trust is the best beneficiary designation because it's an asset protection. Kevin, if I want to get this right and not make mistakes when it comes to my beneficiary designations, who gets the things that I have at this point, how do I get in touch with you? Gary, the best way is through my website, kevintharp.com. Coming up, your retirement and stock market missteps. The stock market and your retirement. What's going to happen? I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And Gary, I know the same I know the answer to that question just like I know who's going to win the Super Bowl. Exactly, which is who knows? Who knows? What's going to happen? Who knows? Somebody's going to win. Exactly right. But uh, a lot of times it's not the people who you even thought were going to win. And Kevin, this is. Basically, the market, the stock market and your retirement are very synonymous because people talk about the investments they have in the market all the time. And as you approach retirement, you've been investing money all these years in the markets. And so you're assuming that will continue and there's nothing wrong with it continuing. But things have changed. And this gives us more of a reason to do some really comprehensive retirement planning, retirement income planning. Uh, back when my dad was accumulating money during his working years, he he didn't have an advisor, and there weren't a lot of financial advisors out there for most most people. They just didn't exist for the most part. This whole concept of financial advisors and investment advisors is a fairly recent phenomenon for the majority of people, whereas stockbrokers, they go back for 150 years. Stockbrokers, people who help you find investments and who try to make the most money they possibly can for you in the markets. The brokers have been around, but the brokers weren't your advisor. They were just telling you about a good stock to pick. That's all that was. Well, now it becomes more and more important, really more important, because so much of our retirement investments are invested in the stock market. That's our retirement savings now. The primary source is in the market. And we've gotten used to it over the years. The problem we run into these days, markets may never be the same as they have been during our lifetime. And one of the main reasons is back when we, years ago, the only thing that really affected markets a whole lot 
were how the economy was going and government, the things government did to and for the markets and for us. That was really the only two things. If you had an unstable government situation politically, you had a, maybe a, a party who wasn't really all that particularly friendly when it came to investing and growing money, which you would think that would be every uh, party would be really friendly to that, but everybody has their own different views. So government was there, and changes to the government created changes in your investments one way or the other. And the economy, if the economy was doing well, the company's profitability and their productivity was good, markets did well. Well, now, different story, Kevin, because now we're in a very, very much of a world economy, a world situation. The world is so connected these days by news, by social media, all the things that could could really that offer people a lot of great communication skills and communication tools now markets are affected by something that happens all the way around the other side of the world a natural disaster halfway around the world can affect our markets and our economy here we didn't have any control of it even if we were containing things in this country as far as the economy in government and everything else goes, we don't have any control of something that's happened clear the other side of the world, and now it's affecting what's going to happen to our retirement funds, what's going to happen to our retirement plan. There's probably going to be more volatility as a rule over the foreseeable future, and could be forever for that matter, than we have experienced in the past with stock markets because there are a lot of different things that come into play that never came into play before. So we have to be ready for that. That's why a comprehensive plan is important because we have to factor in all these things that can potentially affect your retirement plan and your retirement years that you don't really have a whole lot of control of, but you have market investments that certainly are subject to a lot of these things that can happen. We have to plan for those things. That has to be built into your overall retirement plan because if it's not, you're going to come up short in your retirement years because you thought things were going to be a particular way only to find out the world has changed, your situation has changed, and now markets have changed and your retirement plan doesn't have the same appearance that it did maybe just a few weeks ago because of all this change that goes on out there. And this change happened so quickly, Gary, that it's really, it is now impossible, really was before, but even more so now, for us to keep up with these changes. Mm-hmm. I know that for years, uh, in a law firm I was in, uh, one of our senior partners, he liked kind of dabbling in this area, so he would always check the internet every day about, you know, how our a retirement account yeah. was going and and how the economy was going and you know we're going to get ready to make some adjustments well things were happening so fast that the news he was getting was a day old by the time it got to right. his and everybody's already responded the markets have already responded to that news mm-hmm. and so yeah you're a day late a day late and a dollar short basically there and that's why we have to plan for the different dynamics that are uh, that that affect our our retirement plan, and the money that we have. One mistake, one misstep that people make is too much exposure to the stock market during their retirement. Too much exposure. You're used to it. This is the way you've accumulated money all these years. Why should I be too concerned about the market now? Well, the main reason you should be concerned about the market 
is because now this money you've accumulated, now you're going to be using it. You're retiring. You're going to use this money to help you during your retirement years, to provide income for your retirement so you can do all these things you want to do. So one thing that we find with a lot of people, they're still exposed to the same degree during their retirement years in the market as they were back when they had a 401k. Well, what's the difference, Gary? The money is still invested in the market. It was invested then. It did well. Why should I be concerned about what's going to happen now? Well, like I said before, one reason you should be concerned is now you're going to be using this money rather than accumulating it, so you don't necessarily want to be subject to all these things that can happen clear around the globe, and it will affect your retirement dramatically because markets have gone backwards. We need to start investing now, change, start changing the way we're invested. You can still be in the market, but changing the way we're invested to, to assure you that you're not going to be subject to something that happens in the Persian Gulf or something that happens over in China. Wherever it is, you don't want to be fully exposed to these things that can happen all over the world. You've got to make sure that if you've accumulated all this money, I always tell people, you can't really put any more in the market than you can afford to lose. Now, I'm a firm believer in market investments. I know how the market can really grow your money over the years. That's why we invest in the market, because it's the best place to grow our money what? Over time. It's the best way to grow our money over time. Well, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but time starts getting shorter as you get older. Yeah, there's no such thing as slower of Christmas when you reach age 60. Well, that's right. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you're actually able to see that horizon, that retirement horizon, and beyond that. So the planning has to be different. You can't be exposed to the same amount of risk So sometimes, you know, people have adjusted things over the years to their 401ks to better reflect their spending and their needs in retirement. But for the most part, what I find, most people wait until the last few years leading up to retirement or you're already in your retirement years, you're enjoying it, but you are a little concerned now that, wow, my portfolio, I remember what happened back in uh, March of 2020 when COVID hit, and yeah, I had my money in a, for, a portfolio with, it, with my 401k, and I know what happened there. I saw the value of that go down about 30% overnight. How would I feel if I'm retired and my money goes down 30% overnight? Well, I better feel I better feel that it's going to be pretty bad because it will be because it can affect your life, your retirement life from that point forward. So let's plan for things like that. Why? Because they are going to happen. There's no reason to have an investment plan that is so subject to all the crazy things that can happen out there, things we never even thought about or dreamed about that can affect those markets. That's why we want to make sure that we're starting to mitigate some of this risk that we have in the market. And I know our listeners are impacted by this and they're interested in this. How can they have that conversation with you? Kevin, they can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847, and we'll have a conversation about how much exposure you have in the market. Coming up, we're going to talk about your beneficiary designations. They do matter.
your beneficiary designation. It does matter. I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, as I've stated a number of times on this show, beneficiary designation is one of the most important forms of titling ever invented. And yet it is the most undervalued and overlooked thing out there. And it's what's ironic is it's often overlooked by the two people or two industries that it should be the most important thing. It should be on the top of their agenda. Beneficiary designation is an important part of the a person's financial plan. It can impact their retirement, what you leave to your spouse and how your spouse can use the assets uh, to enhance or lengthen their retirement and get more income or replace lost income. Beneficiary designation is huge. And yet in the financial industry, it is probably one of those things, oh, yeah, yeah, and by the way, you got to do this. And there's so many times in the financial industry that the rule of thumb is followed. If you got a spouse, make them the beneficiary. If you got kids, make them the beneficiary. Okay. Now, for a long time, there was another rule of thumb followed. And, well, what happens if I don't have a spouse? And what happens if I have, you know, I don't really have any family? I have, a, over the years, a handful of clients that they didn't have children. They didn't have uh, grandchildren. They didn't really have any family. They had older siblings, but they were likely to go before them. So they said, I don't really have anybody. And I've seen situations where they were advised, make your estate the beneficiary. I've seen in many situations where people have been married and their marriage is dissolved and they had their first spouse as a beneficiary. They went on with their life after the divorce. They married somebody new, and they overlooked the value of the beneficiary designation and didn't change it. Yet so many times that is the overlook. It's like almost like a secondary. How you invest it for the financial person is more important, is the main focus, and they get out when it comes to beneficiary designation until a state planner gets involved. Now, I would say in most cases, probably nine out of 10 people who talk to estate planners, the topic of who your beneficiaries never come up. Oh, they talk about the estate planning attorney or the attorney talks about the document you have and they have they put all of these wishes uh, that you want in this document, but they never talk with you. They never have a conversation with your financial person about who your beneficiaries are. And sometimes, Gary, it's the main, if not biggest asset that that person's going to die owning, especially if it's a retirement account. And yet these conversations, this beneficiary designation is overlooked. It matters, folks, because it is a form of titling that will completely negate your legal document. You can spend thousands of dollars on a legal document and it be paid totally worthless by that beneficiary designation. Gary, true life story. You've, you're involved with this. You know this uh, because this person has now become uh, or is about to become your client. But uh, married couple, blended family. He had kids from his marriage. She had kids from their marriage. 
The only thing they wanted to provide for each other is the home. Otherwise, her retirement account was going to go to her kids. His retirement account was going to go to his family. He didn't have but one child, and that child was an adult, and that child had a grandchild. And it was the only grandchild of his. And he wanted them to be the beneficiaries of things. Now, he referred, he was referred by his financial person to a lawyer. And that lawyer drew up a will that had very extensive uh, terms in it, very specific terms. And one of the terms in that will was to set up a trust for this grandchild because this grandchild was 10 years old when he was making these choices. So this, he paid this attorney thousands of dollars to draw, draw up a will that set up a trust for the grandchild's education, future, buy a house, all the things. Okay? Put all these extensive terms. But this lawyer never had a conversation with the financial advisor because the financial advisor took his biggest asset, his IRA, And the financial advisor told this gentleman, make your child and your grandchild beneficiaries on it, equal beneficiaries. Now, the grandchild was a minor, and they knew it. But the beneficiary designation and the document called a will that had all these provisions in it were not coordinated. The two advisors did not talk to each other. The gentleman passed away. Huge IRA, over a million dollars in this IRA, and half of it's going to go to a minor grandchild. Now, how is the financial company going to pay that to a minor? They're not. They can't. So is that minor going to be protected? No. The mom has to go through probate and become her guardian, and when that child turns 18, They get this large sum of money, whether they're able to handle it or not. But from my perspective, here's the bigger question. That will that you paid thousands of dollars from for that had this elaborate trust to protect your grandchild is not needed because beneficiary designation, a form of titling, not coordinated with the will, okay, title negated the will. Listen to Truth and Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney today, is telling us why beneficiaries do matter. And I can't think of anything any more important than that, Kevin. Beneficiary designations. It, it matters so much because so many assets now are now allowing us to name a beneficiary. The only asset I know that's still out there that you can't name a beneficiary on is your home. But now, used to be bank accounts, you couldn't do that. But now, checking accounts, savings accounts, money market accounts let you do a payable on death. That is a beneficiary designation. And that beneficiary designation, Gary, whether you understand it or not, it is a form of titling. And the law of titling is like the law of gravity. You might not have ever heard of it. You might not have ever 
it had it mentioned to you by your financial advisor or by your lawyer or CPA or banker or whoever it is, but beneficiary designation is going to control who gets that money, who gets that account when you die. Just like the law of gravity will guarantee control that you will hit the ground when you jump off a building. Whether you've heard about it or not, whether it's ever been discussed or not, and beneficiary designation is huge. And yet it is the most overlooked, under-discussed, and undervalued thing out there, and especially in our industries. We are not communicating with each other. So what could have this person done? So he's got this will. Can he name his will as the beneficiary? Could he name his will as beneficiary of the IRA? No. You can't name your will as a beneficiary. Now, he could have named his estate as the beneficiary, but any financial advisor fresh out of financial school will tell you the worst beneficiary designation. We talked in the earlier show about the best one. You know what the worst one is? Your estate, Mm -hmm. especially for an IRA. Because it's going to take a non-probate asset and make you go through probate, not to mention on the IRA, it's going to accelerate the taxes. So how do you get the te- the trust that you want to have for your grandchild or your surviving spouse coordinated with that IRA? Revocable trust. Take the same things you put in a will, put it in a revocable trust. Make your revocable trust the beneficiary. And those things now, wishes and title coordinated together and you have a complete estate plan, that's why beneficiary designations matter. So, Kevin, let's get this right. Let's make sure we have these beneficiaries right. How, how do people get in touch with you? Best ways through my website, kevintharp.com. Coming up, how risky is your retirement? How much risk do you want to take in retirement? I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp. Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. Kevin, now, it may have been you, but it might have been somebody else one day that told me that you you were going to take a lot of risk during retirement, even thinking about hang gliding and cliff diving. And, you know, that's probably could be a little risky, I would think. Oh, very risky. My biggest risk I think I'm going to take in retirement is maybe talk about how Missy and I are getting older and mention Missy's age some, at some point. That's a huge risk. That's an enormous risk. That's even worse. Just go ahead and cliff dive. If you're yeah. going to do that, <laughs> you, you can't help me with that risk, it. can you? Yeah. Maybe it'll work out for yeah. you. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, when we talk about risk in retirement, yes, there's a couple of different types of risk. There's physical risk, the risk you take with the activities that you have. Some people like to take more than others. I've got one friend who is a retired airline pilot. And um, he's always, well, naturally, he was, a, he was a Navy pilot, an aircraft carrier Navy pilot, so that tells you he's enjoyed risk all of his life. And over the years, he's been a pretty risky investor, too. Sometimes it's worked out for him, sometimes it didn't. Usually, if he asked my opinion, he mm, did the opposite, and it kind of turned out that way a lot of times. It's not too good for him. And uh, he, knows who, he knows I'm talking about him, so it's okay because I will talk about him in front of his face as well, and we have a good time with that. But that's a physical risk. That's fine. I can't control that. As a financial advisor, you can do whatever you want to do, bungee jump, whatever it is, that's you. But the risk that I can help you with is the risk you have with your investments during retirement. And one mistake people make when they're planning 
those years where they're going to be using this money and enjoying themselves, enjoying families, one mistake they make is not reassessing the risk you have in your portfolios. Why do we need to reassess it? I talk about this a good bit because there's a lot of things, this is very important. The reason you reassess it is because you were, your risk tolerance level changes as you get older, as you approach those retirement years, and as you're in retirement years, you need less risk involved with your portfolio. Do you still need a portfolio? Yeah, I would think so. Do you still need investments? Yes, I believe so. But you want to start tweaking the amount of risk. Well, what is risk? Risk is when, and I used this example earlier, March of 2020, when we saw the market just pretty much disappear before our very eyes in just a short period of time because of this global pandemic that we had. And that was more of a reaction than it was made any logical sense, but it was a reaction and it affected people's portfolios dramatically. Um, If you had an $800,000 portfolio, let's say back then, and let's say you had it in a 401k at the time, you saw the value of that drop to about $650,000. That was pretty much the average. Well, that was uncomfortable, but it happened, and your 401k rocked on, and by the end of 2020, things had pretty much come back. So you dodged that bullet. Well, now, here just a few years later, you're absolutely ready to retire. Use that money. That 800000 maybe it's grown even more. Maybe it's a million dollars now. Using that money to create income and let you be able to enjoy your retirement years. So do you want the same thing to happen now that happened in March of 2020? I would say no, you don't, because now you need the money more. That's an example of risk. You were willing to take that risk a few years ago because you had time. You had time for, time for markets to come back. If you're still invested the same way now, what's going to happen when markets do what they do? For instance, March of 2020, October of 2008, those times, it's going to do the same thing it did. Only now, it's going to have a lasting effect on your retirement years because it could absolutely make it to where you can't enjoy the things you want to be able to enjoy for fear that you're going to run out of money because you maintain that same risk tolerance level. One thing I find out for with people is risk tolerance is, is very, very high when markets are doing well. But when markets start to go badly, which they're going to do that, all of a sudden, you find out your risk tolerance level is not nearly as high as you thought it was. This is even more important now that you're enjoying your retirement or getting ready to. We're talking about the risk in <laughs> retirement and the risk of the stock market today on Truth and Planning. I'm with Gary Anderson, financial advisor of Anderson Advisors. And Gary, th- there's always risk in the stock market. I mean, that's just inherent in the market itself. But you can plan for it in order to minimize it. So you can choose to be more risky or you can choose to be less risky. Uh, I know in in many situations, you don't have the luxury of necessarily of time in your retirement. And so that's a huge factor because I know things 
that happened with my retirement account years ago when I first started contributing to it, well, I wasn't going to need that money for a while. So I could sort of ride it out. I was not in the middle of retirement when COVID hit and I saw a big drop, uh, as you talked about earlier, that we all did. But I had at least the luxury of time. I wasn't going to need the money the next month or the next week or the next year to retire. Well, now that I'm 60, I'm getting closer to that Mm -hmm. date. That's a concern for me. Well, now you start to think about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, March 2020, you thought about it then. Eh, Okay, it's okay. Things are coming back. It'll be fine. Well, now let's say you're 65, maybe you're 70 years old. You're still working because you enjoy what you do. But we still need to understand how much risk you have in the portfolio because you are, if you aren't already retired, you will be soon. We don't want to see the value of those really good accounts that you have go the wrong direction when you need the money the most. And Kevin, I've seen people do it all through their retirement years. They had a lot of risk involved and uh, they took some pretty good hits, but maybe they came through okay. Then all of a sudden, a long-term care situation hits, and the market drops about the same time. And now you have to use that money for your long-term care. But guess what? You don't have nearly as much there to be able to do that with, so you don't have as many options for your health care. So how do we reassess your risk level? It's easy. If you've lived it, but let's, let's make it a little more scientific. Let's look and see, and this is something we do, do a risk analysis to find out what your portfolio will look like 10 years from now when we have, for instance, another market uh, crash of 2008, what it will look like. We can actually see into the future to see what it will look like if you stay on this same path. Measure your risk. Are you comfortable with it? No, Gary, I'm not comfortable with a 40% downside a possibility over the next six months if the market crashes like it did in 2008. Especially if it's my 80th birthday. Well, exactly right. I'm not comfortable with that. What do I do to fix it? This is what a risk assessment does, and this is why we can make recommendations with your portfolio to start mitigating, start reducing the risk. It's fine to have the portfolio. It's fine to have the investments. But there's ways to not have as much, not be take as many chances as you were willing to take several years ago. It's worth a look. It's worth the time you will spend to have that conversation. And if it, if you're meeting with us, like you should be with, with your financial advisor or any financial advisor, we're going to ask these questions. We're going to ask you, okay, you've been investing this way. How is it? How important is it to for you to have this money? 20 years from now in retirement how if you're lived to be 90 years old how is it how important will this money be for you then we develop a plan around it we look at the risk levels and develop a plan that ensures that you're going to have that money when that time comes how can our listeners mitigate that or help mitigate that risk kevin they can reach us at anderson advisors 
1-800-227-4747. Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show. Thank you.